0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the official Gaming Mentory Podcast. We're starting episode 9 today and we're going to be discussing open world fads. Uh, to start off, we're going to kind of go back and look at what have we been playing this week. So, Ian, what have you been playing this week? Um, Well,
1: I've been returning to an old favorite with a co-op friend in tow. And I've been playing a lot of Minecraft on a server. Oh, uh, classic. Yeah, it's it's one of those games where... I first got into it. I think it was like 2010 when it, right before it got big in the in the alpha stage. And every couple of years, I return to it, and I kind of see what's new, and I preferably try to play with some friends or a favorable community and just kind of get, get that sense of like creativity and discovery and exploration all over again. Play it for a couple of weeks, and then put it away for a couple more years. So I've kind of been playing that lately, um, and then a couple other games like horizon zero dawn i dabbled mm-hmm. in that for a little bit but i didn't honestly i, I didn't really like it that much so i kind of stopped after maybe five or six hours of, of playing that
0: um yeah. well it's a good thing i know you don't like it now we have a topic for discussion
2: yeah
1: <laughs> yeah i figure it'll we can dive more deeply into that with the open world just trying to figure out what it is that i didn't like about it and i think i have a good idea um and then just some bad mobile games which i may do a piece on eventually but if that's my i wouldn't even call it a guilty pleasure i'd call it a guilty
2: guilt just playing (laughs) those
1: games they're they're really good bathroom games but that's pretty much it
2: (laughs) all right jake what have you been up to this week well uh in a in a reversal uh from from ian i i platinumed horizon zero dawn this week wow um so that was that was what i did (laughs) um (laughs) But, um, yeah, so I've been playing that. I think I had mentioned in, a, in the chat earlier this week, um, my brother came over and we we pulled out the old uh, Bionicle games on GameCube, and uh, they were pretty rough to try to get through. Um, they did. They have not aged well since 2003 and 2007, respectively. So what kind, um,
1: of, what kind of games were those? Were those, like, third person, or were they, like, well, yeah,
2: the first the first one is like a, it's like a, I don't know, I, I would hesitate to call it a 3D platformer, but that's kind of what it is. Um. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of peculiar. It's third person, it's got some platforming elements, um, and then everybody's kind of got a ranged attack, which is weird since, like, all those characters didn't really have that if you go like I I don't know I was super into Bionicle and I read the comics and everything but um and then the 2007 game was a third person shooter um but it was it was developed by um uh Traveler's Tales which does all the modern Lego games and so there's a lot of that though those kind of mechanics like the breaking things and the picking up a bunch of little Lego pieces and then spending those on just weird stuff okay Um, yeah
1: for some reason when you said um you said third person shooter i was picturing like gears of war but instead of like people bleeding (laughs) you're just like chipping off (laughs) pieces of their blocks and they're just screaming all the time i play that (laughs) game yeah
2: no it's super weird but it's it's the the fact that they're they're both at 480p and just a little too jittery after having come from playing horizon zero dawn on the on the ps4 all week yeah. um and we were we were both getting a headache from trying to figure out the camera controls and all that but yeah. um yeah and then i've been playing like you said you had some mobile games i've been actually playing a mobile game called war bits which is basically just a an advanced wars clone um that sounds pretty good yeah it, i mean it's neat it's like you said good bathroom game go in play a mission come back out do whatever you were doing before yeah but, yeah, so that's what I've been doing.
0: Well, as for me, I have I think I played one match of Rainbow Six Siege this week and the rest of my time has been spent playing work. <laughs> oh, I've I've <laughs> the heard best of that game. game. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, you know, it's it's, it's uh, kind of backbreaking work, you know, just, just things we I can't have talk sunk about a lot of hours <laughs> into work. Uh, yeah, there's you know, lots of lots of secret stuff. Sorry, sorry fans. Uh, but yeah, no I Honestly, like, the past two weeks, I can't really talk about anything I've been doing, but I have not played... Well, I came home, I came back from Nebraska, and it took me a week just to plug in my Xbox again, and I think I... Well, Oh, no, wait, I lied. I have been playing a little bit of Get Even, just a little bit, though. I think I'm, like, maybe two hours into it, but I just haven't had time to go back and pick it up, and I really like the story, I really like the aesthetic, uh, yeah, aesthetics of it, but uh, it's, the gunplay is just awful. And I can't stand it, and it makes me not want to mm. play it. Like there's this, uh, it's, it's a, it's like a, there's like a corner gun in it, and so like, instead of just using first-person shooter mechanics, it, it it's like a, almost like a puzzle shooter kind of when you think about it. So like, you'll use mm. this camera. So like, if you look straight up and there's guys below you, the corner gun, like you can shoot down at them while looking up with the gun. <laughs> Takes some getting used to. It's, it's kind of cool, but just the, uh. The way the AI work and the shooting mechanics just really rough, especially coming off of you know Rainbow Six Siege.
2: Right. But
0: uh, as far as that, it's just been really playing a lot of video games, just watching a lot of the league when I have time. Can't get enough of that show.
2: You guys watch the league? Uh, I watched the league at school because uh, my roommate was a huge fan of it. So I don't know how much of the league I've seen, but it was on most evenings. But yeah, I, just, I
0: just got into it. I'm, you know, a few years late, but oh well. I'm already yeah. pretty yeah. much done with it. <laughs> it's a pretty good, like, comedy binge show. Yeah, the, uh... <laughs> my favorite episode is the one with the gun. It's like, he, the guy broke into his house he's like, I have a gun and I'm gonna murder you with it. <laughs> he's like, oh no. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so so let's go ahead and get into open world fads then. Uh, yeah. So I think we'll start off by talking about Let's, let's start off on a positive note. How about that? What are the open world games you have enjoyed in the past, let's go, five years? Five years. Wow, that's a big...
1: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go even shorter than that. I'm going to go the last... Let's say three years. How about that? I'm going to go the last four or five months. What? Because that's in that time, I have played right, that's right. two incredibly good open world games.
0: Uh, I guess I was talking like release time frame But Let, yeah let's do let's do that then let's talk about most recent open world game that you play that you like
1: um yeah so so one of them I, I think one of them's kind of an easy which is legend of zelda breath of the wild um it's it's a really good game but i think in terms of open world what it really stood out for for me was that a lot of open world games um they say they're open world but they kind of feel like a linear spider web in that there are, my are favorite yeah, in that there are there are areas where there's only one way to get between areas. So there there's basically bowls and there's paths between them. But you cannot necessarily climb over mountains. You cannot necessarily go down rivers. And there's even some games where you can't even swim. Your character dies as soon as you go into any sort of water. But with Legend of Zelda, the way they add all these movement options like climbing, gliding, the whole stamina system, there's basically no part of the map that map that is not explorable. So there were a lot of times where, I mean, honestly, I am going to say 90% of the game, I was not on any sort of street, road, path, or trail. It was just going through open fields, climbing over mountains to get to areas. And it makes the whole map just feel a lot bigger. And it makes it feel a lot more accessible, knowing that at any point, you can jump onto a surface and climb. There's almost no surfaces in the game, except for in the castle, I think, where you can't climb it. As as a surface to be climbed and to get on top of.
0: So, is, do you prefer open world games more based on how they play than like their story, or I guess, I guess I guess are you more worried about the gameplay of an open world or the narrative?
1: I'm I'm more worried about the gameplay, because I so think you like
0: sandboxes.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely more about the sandbox for me. Mostly because the whole premise of an open world is that you can go anywhere and then following with that comes the question okay well can i do anything and i think the best sandboxes i think the best open world games are the ones in which they don't try to constrain you at all and you can do all sorts of different things in it as opposed to an open world where it's really just nodes connected to each other and each node triggers a cutscene which advances the story and that doesn't really feel like an open world it just feels like a very wide corridor game
0: Well, I haven't personally played Breath of the Wild yet, but I keep hearing great
2: things about it, so
0: I don't really have much to
2: say on it. You you haven't (laughs) played it either, Jake? No, I still (laughs) am on the fence about this. I think think I'll get a Switch once more games come out for it, because I do want to play Breath of the Wild, but um, I can't uh, shell out to buy the console just to play the one game right now.
0: Since we're on the topic um... of the Switch, I gotta say my obligatory shitpost for Sarah... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i still won't buy a nintendo Switch, sarah i'm not sorry about it uh, uh
2: so jake I should hop into their podcast right now <laughs>
0: yeah just show up
2: shit post nintendo yeah.
0: bye-bye <laughs> so what 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 uh what open world games have you played recently that you enjoy jake
2: well yeah if we're saying the most recent one uh just back to horizon zero dawn i think that's probably I mean, yeah, that's the most recent one I've played right now. Within the past five years, uh, I mean, I don't know, like Grand Theft Auto V. Although that even, I don't think they made enough use of the world in the solo, um, in the single player. I think that really the only open world elements that matter are in the multiplayer, but I'm not super keen on the multiplayer because I don't like just... Hopping into a game and being trolled for an hour and then rage quitting. See, I thought um, I I thought I I'd, I'd enjoy Grand Theft Auto v a lot more than I did, but
0: I mean, I don't know. I'd, I never even finished a story in it. Everybody keeps telling me I should go back and finish it because it's worth finishing. Yeah, it. Like, well, I
2: yeah. I mean, the story is, I don't know. I thought it I, it was compelling enough for me to continue playing it, but I really felt. Like, when it was released, they were selling it as, like, look at this monster open world. And you really only visit, I don't know, Then this is just, I have no numbers for this, but rough estimate, in my own mind, you really only spend time in, I don't know, 15% of it. And yeah. then a bunch of it's just open. You can go visit stuff, but there's not anything there. Especially since, um, like,
1: there's a big casino complex with, race track with a horse race track yeah. in it. And they yeah. they still haven't visited that. The most they have done is offer a multiplayer race that takes place on that track and that's it. And that yeah. was two years after release. And Do the same with horses though. No, it's just it's just, <laughs> hey, here's a race. Race your cars around this circle, but you don't get to go mm-hmm. in the casino. It's a huge it's a huge set piece in the game that you constantly drive past, but there's nothing that actually ever takes you there. Yeah. There's a bunch
2: of stuff like that. But um yeah I, I definitely um I enjoyed um I enjoyed Horizon Zero Dawn. Um I think although I do uh like Ian you said you only played a couple hours of it. When I first bought it, I when did it it came out in February or March yep, or something? February. I did only play a couple hours of it and then stop. Although I believe it was because I had some sort of like there was a week long event uh, for work that I had to go to. Um, so I just didn't have a chance to play it. But then I didn't pick it back up until probably about two weeks ago. Um, but at the time that I picked it back up, it was at a point narrative-wise that it sucked me back in. Um, but it's definitely one of the bowl games, like you said, where it's it's they say it's an open world, but it is a lot of huge bowls that are all connected by little corridors
1: yeah I think what I kind of bounced off of was I, I think you're absolutely right about the story that was kind of the one thing that was keeping me playing the game as long as I did but um, it, this this is going to be a very weird complaint but the game looks beautiful but I think that the way that it's designed and the way that everything is presented in the game is too cluttered so there were a lot of times where I would be looking mm. at the screen and almost comically, I would lose depth perception. I would be unable to tell if that's a rock or if it's a mountain. Is that Mm. an animal or is that a tree? And because everything was so detailed, it all started to blend together, and I couldn't really distinguish interactable objects from enemies that were stationary from the terrain and from assets. And that, that started to drive me crazy
2: because I
1: couldn't feel any attachment to the environments when everything just started to kind of blend together
0: yeah
2: i guess i guess i get. i didn't necessarily have that problem myself but i can see what you're saying about that i actually just um after i finished the campaign and uh or i guess the campaign i don't know if it's what the main story um i went and turned off the hud just as kind of a fun like i'm gonna go hunt big robot dinosaurs without my reticle and without any sort of combat prompts um And it was actually pretty neat because it was, for me, sometimes the HUD got a little busy. Um, And that's always kind of been a complaint of mine with RPGs is sometimes there's just a little too much going on information-wise that I just want to, like, shove some things off the screen. And I can figure it out myself. I don't always need to be told where the quest wants me to go. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think um, there are some fantastic things that the game does, and I'll just call out one of them, which I think is absolutely brilliant, which is that you can go into your crafting menu and you can say, I want to craft this item, but you don't have all the uh, ingredients yet. So you can say, I think they call it a crafting quest or something like that. You say, create me a quest for this, and they create a quest and automatically give it to you, and it's, hey, go to this area, gather three items, yeah. go to this other area, gather three items. It's not a mental checklist. It's not a different UI font or color like they have in Fallout 4. It's not something you've got to scribble or keep in your head. It just automatically uses the game's existing mechanics to make it easy to get you to where you want to go.
2: Yeah, that was pretty neat. I did uh, take a, take advantage of that on several occasions. But uh, I thought the, the combat um at least for me was uh was pretty neat just that it was like it was more tactical than i was expecting um going into it like you definitely there were definitely different strategies for everything you couldn't just spam arrows i mean i guess presumably you could after a long enough time you could spam arrows into anything and kill it but um it was uh it was it was interesting forming those patterns and determining okay i'll use this arrow for this enemy and then i'll do that and yada 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 so that i think was besides the narrative i think the high point for me was the combat um over things like the world and the graphics and things of that nature yeah, but my uh prize zero Zone was also my most recent open world game and
0: my, my favorite thing about it was just the way it it, it handled world building Mm -hmm. Um, just, like, setting it off right from the start. You're, like, just left with all these questions that you kind of get drip-fed answers to throughout your, you know, while you're playing the main storyline. I I didn't like... I guess I didn't like the overall plot that it was, like, another end-of-the-world type thing. That kind of gets old, because almost every open-world game I see seems to do that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, I I like when open-world games have, like, smaller smaller overall plots that focused on like you know just a, a tighter narrative core than you know save the world kind of thing it's just i don't know that trope to me just gets really old um but horizon zero dawn is a lot like the witcher where they made each location in the world really unique from another and it's, so it feels like you're not just traversing from like city to city like fallout 4 did that to me it was like each area really kind of felt the same to me it had little you know different landmarks and all that And i guess if you're from the boston area it'd be a lot more interesting to you but i don't know yeah. i guess i guess i'm more of just like a fan of like the fantasy and the uh the sci-fi of, you know when worlds are like take a more creative route than going you know try to
2: be realistic
0: and real worldy i guess
2: yeah well that i think was probably one of the more interesting things for me of uh grand theft auto 5 being a, a los angeles native there was a lot of just neat stuff of being like oh i kind of know where that is um even though of course the city's not a one-to-one comparison of la but there's enough stuff there that you're like oh yeah look at that i've driven past that before Yeah, um, and actually that uh, i'm trying trying to
0: get myself to play Watch Dogs too, and i've started it and I don't know. I've, I've, I'm i just so burnt out from open world games from over the years since, you know, yeah. I've been doing games journalism now for almost nine years now. So, like, I've seen it all, all the open world games, all of them. And, uh, like, you know, I, I remember I played through Fallout 3. I really liked it back in the day. And then Fallout 4, I just couldn't get into uh, I think the, really the only open world games I've actually completed in the past three or four years was. Horizon Zero Dawn, and Witcher 3. Hmm. And I completed The Witcher 3, and I usually, when I can play an open-world game as well, I also don't really go and do anything else other than the main quest. And The Witcher 3 was one of those games that I actually actively seeked out side quests to go do them, because the stories were very interesting. And I'm pretty sure I, pretty sure Horizon Zero Dawn has a lot of those, too, and I need to go back and complete those. But, uh, I don't know, For for me, like, I like the... I guess Darksiders 2 would be like the way I prefer my open world games, kind of like hub world things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, what what do you, what what you, what are like open world fads or, you know, have you guys gotten so tired of that it just makes you not want to play open world games anymore? Does none of that bother you?
2: Well, um, I know at least for me, I've always, even as a kid, I think the first open world game quote-unquote open-world game was actually one of the Lego Island games. Um, And I remember then, and it's always been something that's bothered me since then, when a game is branded as open-world and I can't go into every single building. (laughs) And I know that that's, like, it's ridiculous for me to assume that they're going to design an interior for every single building that they're going to put in a game but it, that's still always been something that that has bothered me. That I'm like, oh, I want to go inside there and just see what's in there. But then knowing that it's just a JPEG window on a wall. Um, see, like Lego Island, that was like one of those that, that was like a hub world
0: game too, kind of like Darksiders. You know, you complete yeah. all the objectives in the opening area, and then you move on to a new area, and then you, you know, it's still sandboxy, but it didn't have like you know just a massive map just for the sake of having a massive map and like ooh, look mm-hmm. how much stuff we can fit in this world but it's all empty and uh i think ian knows what game i'm talking about here
1: <laughs> oh, are you talking about uh mafia 3
0: oh yes i'm talking about mafia oh 2. my god that game
1: that game was terrible
0: how, how, so how do we, how do we want to go about this because i haven't finished mafia's 3 mafia 3's narrative yet oh and oh you're still playing it I, I intermittently go back and forth to it like I is this I like your like, is this like your self-flagellation This 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 <laughs> is my game to that, for something Yeah, this is my game that I'm like everybody says it has a really good narrative and I want to see it through to the end because I'm interested. I'm interested in it. like I love like mafia history and all that. But the gameplay literally makes me want to go into the game and get myself run over by a car.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So my my background is I played Mafia One. Um, I didn't. I didn't finish it just because I wasn't in the mood to finish it at the time. But I played about half of it and I was blown away. It was very. You know, you you have to drive around at the speed limit, and if a cop sees you, he's gonna pull you over, and it was just crazy playing that. And then I played Mafia Two, and I actually enjoyed Mafia Two because it did feel a little empty, but the story was still decent, and the gunplay was fantastic, and the game looked amazing. Um, and so I went into Mafia Three, very excited for it. And then I tried to play it, and it crashed three times in the first 30 minutes. It ran terribly on my machine. It played terribly, both the driving, the walking, the shooting. The only interest.
0: I have a dark secret. What's that? (laughs) We we got got a behind the scenes presentation of the game at E3 uh, last year, and I fell asleep. (laughs) (laughs) I felt really bad about it. Because I was mm-hmm. super interested in the game, and then they showed me it, and I'm like, "No." Nope.
1: Yeah, I think the only <laughs> the only thing I was interested by was that the cutscenes were really well done. They did a very good job of presenting characters and dialogue and an interesting story, but literally everything else outside of that was insufferable, well, and I, I just couldn't
0: play it. The, the worst, the They did like the the no nos of open world games. So they lock their missions behind repetitive missions that you have to complete over and over and over again to get to the next story scene. Perfect. And if you do that, it, just why? Why? Why Hangar 13? Why did you do this? i like, I want to like your game. You, yeah. Like, every single... I don't, does it, Jake, did you play this?
2: I have not. I, I know a lot of people were excited for it, but I, I think, honestly, the first I really paid attention to it was when i saw your article that it didn't need to be open world and so i've just never decided to go and so did you ever did you ever actually finish it or did you just give up on it
1: so i got so they first open you up to the world and you have your first area to like take over and claim and you quit i quit right after that (laughs) i was done let me let me just tell a quick anecdote during that period of like knocking over a couple houses and brothels etc and then killing the guy I was seeing things like two enemies and a prostitute standing next to each other, and I walk up and I stab one guy, the guy next to him doesn't react, the prostitute runs away screaming, the guy next to him does nothing, and then I turn and I stab him. It was just really, really bad gameplay, really bad AI, and in that hour, hour and a half that I played the game, I was like, you know what, I know that it's just this over and over again for the rest of the game, so I'm done.
0: Yeah, I didn't have any really technical issues with it aside from at the start you know that that sun glitch when it would just the sun would or the lighting would just (laughs) show everything would get really bright for a second and then go back to dark but I mean yeah they fixed all the technical issues aside and all that Um, and like it's just just a game that didn't need to be open world and like I get they wanted to like showcase you know what life was like back then I guess Um, but you, you, and for some, you know, for some reason, I guess they didn't think they could do that in a linear, like show that world building in a linear fashion. But like, I don't know,
1: maybe Order they 18, felt, maybe they felt tied down by the series, considering the first two were open world and kind of herald. See, the se- the second one
0: was a lot more like L.A. Noire, in which it had an open world, but it was really just to to linear. play this, yeah, yeah. And so, like, they could have done the same thing with Mafia Three, but then they tried to artificially extend the game by adding a. You know, go take out this gang. Go take, interrogate this guy. Go do this. Go do that. Instead of just like letting the story play out, because if you like it, the way they did it, it just loses. Like the pacing is just completely screwed up because of that, and then it makes you not want to continue the story.
1: Yeah, it's just I was I was really disappointed by that game because I was a big fan of the series going into that, and even though the third one looked like it was a big change narratively. I was very interested in playing it, but considering that all the gameplay f- felt bad, it wasn't running well on my PC at all. Even though my PC is rather beefy, and it just I couldn't 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 do more than an hour.
0: So are you, are either of you surprised that I did either of you finish Fallout Four? I guess because that that'll lead into my next question: Is like are either of you surprised that I didn't finish it? Or
1: um, I mean, I I didn't finish it. I kind of hit
2: similar I, uh... issues. One of my dirty little secrets is that I've never played a Fallout game before.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, think I think that's fine. That's fine. It's yeah. just
2: I like I played some of Fallout uh New Vegas uh at a friend's house one time. And I don't know, it was just never really my thing. Yeah, I, well that's that's what kind of threw me off is like i'm
0: such i was such a huge fan of oblivion and skyrim like i played those games for hundreds of hours and fallout just never hooked me and i maybe it's just because of the setting like maybe i I just like you know the fantasy like the medieval stuff more but uh the fallout games always seem like a weaker series to me than compared to skyrim or you know oblivion
2: Mhm. i guess uh uh borderlands was kind of my fallout it's not open world but they're kind of in that similar like pseudo sci-fi style whereas fallout's got a little more of the kind of um the the like 50s and 60s flair to it and borderlands is more of like a mad maxy thing but Board, um,
0: borderlands borderlands 2 was the game that made me realize i really hate grindy shooters yeah
1: <laughs> yeah i'm trying i'm trying to think of what what's unique about fallout and i think it's that it's a shooter rpg that it kind of fully is that really embraces that. anymore i, I don't it's know i trying to, well but stalker doesn't have stats right true so uh, i don't
0: i couldn't tell you
1: yeah i'm just i think that's really it is that it's a shooter but you have a lot of equipment and you have stats for your character and you have perks that you're adding to yourself as well and there, there's the setting but but like you were saying it's it's not that unique anymore um, right. and so th- it's just got the legacy exactly yeah and i think it's i don't know i so i've i've used to work for Zenimax uh, media and so i know how their qa process works and it doesn't I, work does it no it doesn't and i <laughs> and i do software qa during the day as my day job um, and during the night i fight crime and so <laughs> playing Fallout 4 I had to hold myself back so much and I really don't have to do this with a lot of other games because every 5 seconds there would be a bug, there would be a glitch, there would be horrible system implementation with animation and lip sync etc. and a lot of people are like, "Oh, that's the Bethesda charm." And it's like, "No, it's it's inexcusable now." If this was their first or second game, it would be excusable, but the fact that every single one of their games has these huge systems implementation problems where the animations are awful and there's all sorts of bugs and it runs terribly and there's frame rate drops etc it's inexcusable lazy exactly yeah that's exactly what it looks like
0: yeah i'm I'm curious uh i mean with the witcher now and horizon zero dawn and probably probably spider-man i'm i'm i mean I'm glad, I'm glad Witcher and Horizon Zero Dawn came out because it seems like more open-world games are starting to get rid of all the, you know, fill a, fill our world with everything crap content. Because uh, even Assassin's Creed Origins has taken that route, too, of less is more. You know, they're focusing on more high-quality missions over, you know, these little pick-me-up things. Go find this loot box crap.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh. So, so on that note, I kind of want to talk about I don't know if this can be considered an open-world game, but I would at least consider it an inverted open-world game. And it's one that I played a little... I think it came out in January February, and it's Yakuza 0. Um, I've not played it. This game Mm-mm. is phenomenal. And I think the reason why is because if you consider it an open-world game, there's basically two areas. And they essentially are maybe... I think if you had to rough it out, it would probably be f- 16 square blocks each of a city. But it's a densely packed city. And as you start playing the game, you realize that every single building has worth to you. Either as a location that you visit in a story mission, or that's where that one NPC from the side quest lives. Or that's a building and a business that you can own later on as part of the real estate minigame. Or underneath that sewer grate is where the secret catfighting, girls catfighting betting ring is that you go to sometimes to make money. And it kind of becomes this inverted open world where it's not a huge place that you can explore all these different places, but instead it's a single or rather two small locations so packed with details and NPCs and different gameplay facets that it starts to feel like an open world with so much to do.
0: But does it have any like those, you know, filler side missions or collectibles and things like that? Or
1: Well, so it does It does have collectibles. So, <laughs> so let me explain the collectibles to you. The collectibles are call girl cards, which mm-hmm. are basically <laughs> phone cards slash trading cards for actual real-world softcore Japanese pornographic actresses. Oh. And when and when you collect them, you can then go to a – I forgot what they're called. I think it's like a, just a video store or whatever, and you can rent a booth, and you can watch – that 45 second minute <laughs> softcore oh porn. Jeez. Yeah, there's no nudity but it's you know like some girl in a bikini rolling around on a giant like uh, um exercise ball, you know, giggling and smiling into the camera. Oh it's pretty great. It's amazing. Yeah. And how
0: many of these have you watched, you?
1: Um, I think I watched about a dozen. Um oh. okay, but and this this goes into the no side judgment. quest. Well, this goes into the side quest. This game has the most incredible side quest I've ever played. And I only played about 25 of them. And there's about 100 of them in the game. And they're just people that you meet on the street. And the reason why I kept watching these call girls was because, number one, I wanted to own the business. And that's part of it is you you have to befriend the business owner by going there over and over again. For this specific business only. You have to befriend him in order to get to the point where you can ask to buy his business. And then the other point is there's a man that runs around in just underwear talking all the time about how much porn he watches and how much he likes to masturbate and how you bond with him is by going to see all these call girl videos and then Uh, going back to i was scared
0: we were going with the. the no (laughs) (laughs) no so
1: it's it's all these crazy side quests where each of them are an individual story about this person and who they are as a history and then if you befriend them then they work themselves into the mini game and they can become a bouncer for you or they can open up a new area for you or they introduce you to new items it's it's an incredible game because of how much depth it has behind every single little gameplay
0: facet that
1: it introduces and offers for you to mess around with
0: seems like the mainstream media didn't give much attention to that kind of stuff
1: no i think this one seemed like it got a little bit more attention from like waypoint and giant bomb Mostly because this was kind of a big Western release for them, but it's definitely flying under the radar. I mean, I'll I'll say it right now, it's my game of the year so far. Even better than Breath of the Wild because of how how incredible the story is and how much there is to do in that world.
0: Hmm, it's interesting. That's the uh, kind of I guess another under- overlooked uh, open world game that's coming out is Days Gone. Uh, yeah, I know. I know you said it looks generic.
1: <laughs> yep i guess right. it, i guess it does
0: uh but i don't know if you saw my messages in the chat but uh when you're watching the e3 gameplay that they showed this year there's that segment where uh what's the what's the main character's name god damn it that's how you know it's generic <laughs> uh anybody remembers whatever the main character he's riding his bike
2: it's john days gone.
0: john days john. gone <laughs> john, <laughs> john, let's, let's, I'm just gonna call him john wick uh so yeah, he's riding his bike down the road and he gets knocked off it by those gold, those guys uh holding this you know, the rope across the road to knock him off. And I think when we were talking about it on the podcast, you said that was scripted Ian.
1: Yeah, and then the, the video you it's showed me not. showed that it's not,
0: yeah. Yeah and I'll,
1: and... I'll admit I was I was wrong about that because watching that video, the second one they showed, it definitely made me more interested in the game. I, I still don't think I'm gonna play it, but it definitely made it seem a lot more open world uh, not in a bad way but in a lot more there are a lot less scripted actions than they showed in the first trailer there are ways to go around there are ways to spot the traps and to avoid them or confront them in a different direction and i think that's the correct way to take the game
0: yeah well what really got me interested was like so obviously you know you're riding the bike around the world you can't be safe and they pretty much said like we don't want you to ever feel safe while riding your bike like you're always on the watch which you know a lot of games that you know, offer vehicles, maybe aside from Mad Max, there's not much threat when you're in a vehicle, like you're kind of invincible kind of thing. Uh, so that that kind of got me really interested in just like how much they're actually playing into dynamic events. And I guess to, to harken back on E3 for a second there, like they screwed it up really showing that game because of the negative presses games. It sounds like it's undeserved now because everybody's like, oh, it's just Last of Us open world scripted crap. So, no, it's actually pretty dynamic, because even when you watch that second video, even the weather affected how they played the game, because uh, it, it played different from when he was, I guess, we'll say it was the spring, and then they showed the winter and how it changed up the gameplay, you know, the dense snow storms and all that would lowers your visibility and increases your sound, I think, I think they said it was like your footsteps would have, you know, heightened sound because you're crawling through the snow or whatever. But it sounds like it's more—it's actually a more innovative open-world game than it looks. Yeah. From you know the big masses of zombies, but even then, even that, like they said, that you can use them in multiple ways.
1: So. It sounds like it's as kind of one of the the victims of E3, where it doesn't matter how good your game is if you don't necessarily present it on the best footing, then those first impressions can hurt you long term. Mm-hmm.
0: So I guess let's move into we kind of touched on it, but we were talking about open world fads and like, I guess the way, sh- the way I want to talk about this is like, what would you, how would you change open world games to make them not so, you know, I guess boring to play now. Just a lot of them failed. I, for, at least for me, like it takes a lot for me to want to play an open world game now. Like it has to hook me right away for me to even be interested in it. Yeah. Because so- they're just, they're just huge time sinks and like, even the thought like my thought process now goes into like gosh darn i'm gonna have to play this for just 40 hours just to get through this story like i don't want to do that anymore
1: yeah i think part of it is reducing the tedium so something that horizon zero dawn did that started to annoy me almost immediately was collecting items you know there's a lot of items in the world and they're 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 marked and i do appreciate that they're marked but you would have to go up to it you would have to hit a button and then you would reach down and you would do a half second or a second long animation and then pop back up. So you would have to do that for each and every single little branch, tree, bush that you wanted to to collect. Mm-hmm. Whereas just, you know, not necessarily to say the same, the games are the same, but just to compare it to Breath of the Wild real quick, you kill an enemy, he drops three items. As long as you're within range of the item, you press the button and there's no animation. It's just immediately, there's a sound plays and it's in your inventory. So it's one of those things where it doesn't seem like a big difference, but as you're at hour 30, 40, 50, and you've collected your ten thousandth item, it's gonna get annoying. Adding all that up, all those animation frames, all that interact prompts, etc.
0: So like that 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 actually yeah. didn't bother me in Horizon Zero Dawn cause it was like fast enough and everything was like supplied enough where like it just you know you just kind of did it as you went and you really didn't pay attention because kind of like a mindless activity, I guess. And like yeah. the only thing you know, you really had to search for, I, in my opinion, was like the uh, the plants that give you health, and like find, trying to find those during like the bigger battles was actually pretty pretty fun, in some ways because they you'd find them in like locations you wouldn't think to look, and kind of added the, uh, another element of strategy, I guess, especially when you're facing like the, the yeah. big corruptor things.
2: Although I did find uh, at times the game would fall into the trope of. Uh, I'd be like, I'm finding a lot of these medicinal herbs around, and then one or two minutes later, it would be some big thunderjaw or or some one of the, like the Deathbringers or something, and I'd be like, oh yeah, it was giving me a bunch <laughs> of these Oh, you mean on the story missions? Yeah, 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 on on the story yeah. missions. Yep. Um, but I think my I think my biggest complaint with open world games, and I think with Horizon Zero Dawn too. Um, was that there was a a whole sub a sub a sublisting of the quests that was just called errands and i'm not about Oof. that when it's just like a, a m- my my mother is sick can you go find this plant that's just far enough away to be a nuisance but just close enough that for the sake of story it doesn't make sense for me not to just go get it <laughs> Um yeah, that sounds and, terrible. and then
0: if and then if you don't get that, they'll stand there for
2: days and days and days and days, and then you'll finally go get it. It's like, oh no, my mom's better. <laughs> yeah. Um but um yeah, for me, beyond just um uh the main story needs to be interesting for me to want to get into an open world game. I think keeping the side quests compelling, I think Ian, like you said, that's also very important. Um, because I mean, for the sake of replayability, as more uh, uh, as well as anything, you, once you get through the main story, it's the developers basically has the decision whether or not you're going to keep playing or not. If the side quests aren't interesting, once the main story's done, once the main story's done, you might just toss the game aside and say, "All right, well, I did that, but none of these side quests were interesting. I don't want to do that yeah. anymore." Yeah, and so just to, just to touch um, back on Yakuza
1: Zero. Um... It does a really nice mechanic where basically it'll say, hey, it makes it clear to go to a certain area or to answer a certain phone call in a phone booth when you want to advance the story, but then there's times where you just run around encountering characters and doing side quests, and it just makes it very easy to play around in a location, and I I think I said it before, but I'll say it again, every single side quest I played in that game was unique and interesting and incredible. There was just one side quest where I helped an eight-year-old boy buy a porno magazine from a vending machine, <laughs> and in order for me to do that, I had it turned into a mini stealth mission where I had to avoid all these women that I knew, like an older girlfriend huh. and my assistant, from seeing me. So I had to like do like a Metal Gear Solid stealth mission just to get to the vending machine to buy a porno mag for an eight-year-old boy. Um, it's just
0: another game that didn't need to be open world. You know, yeah. Solid. We can talk <laughs> about that one later.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's just like if you keep those side quests interesting, then it kind of becomes as as crappy as it sounds, it almost becomes Shakespearean in that you have your seriousness in your story quests, but then you go to the side quest for your 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 levity, for your moments of fun and enjoyable, oddball zaniness, mm-hmm. or just a different tone from the main story. And it allows you to kind of set your own pace and set your own tone as as to whether you want to do seriousness or funniness. Well, See, I like
0: how the I like how the yeah. Witcher did them because they treated a lot of their you know. I don't know how many were actually in there, but, like, they treated quite a few of their side quests as, like, short stories of their own, you know? Um, basically, uh, they had, like, their own plot line to follow, and it was actually worth going through. Like, I guess, you know, you have your main story and then a bunch of little short stories to go with it. That's kind of, like, my favorite, my favorite side quest design. is like, it's narrative-focused, and, you know, there, there's fun side, like, what you said for yakuza like there's there's those fun little side missions to do but i like my my, like especially in open world games like it continues the story in different directions i guess
1: yeah i think i think bethesda does that a lot um also with like skyrim and especially elder Scrolls online where you go to a new village and you find four side quests but each of those side quests is actually three different storylines leading you down a different you know it tells the story of this family and how their farm was stolen and then destroyed and now you're going to help them get it back so each of those is an individual small storyline that adds a lot to the overall
2: world
0: Mm -hmm. uh there was a yeah
2: uh, oh um it wasn't necessarily open world but it was uh i don't know maybe uh it could be considered in that genre but there were some interesting uh side quests in prey um where it's definitely has those open world RPG elements. You go around and you can find random things in the, on the space station that'll trigger some side quest. And um, it didn't have like the zany uh, moments or anything. Cause just cause of the nature of the story. But there was one where I was rummaging through someone's stuff and I found a, uh, a character sheet for, praise version of dungeons and dragons <laughs> and um and then it's just like oh you found this and you you read in her email uh, that she was planning a meeting with the other uh members of her party and then it's like go find everybody else's character sheets because apparently this woman has written clues on all of them to some like special s- cash she's hidden somewhere else on the station um and so that was just kind of neat—a little, a little bit of world building and a little bit of a fun break uh, to just go do something else other than uh, shoot blobby space aliens.
0: So uh,
2: I'm, is is does is Prey like set up a lot like how Bioshock was set up?
0: Like it's open world design. Uh, I mean, I, well, I know it's not really like super open world, but it just involves backtrack into uh, areas and they change over time.
2: Yeah, it's less that, I mean, the the areas don't necessarily change over time other than just what aliens inhabit them, because it's definitely, yeah. it's like 10 or 11 different sections of the station that have loading screens in between them, blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, as the main story advances, you'll go back to somewhere... And a more advanced species of alien will be there, as kind of in the story, the infection of the aliens is spreading through the station. So I guess, I guess um, that's kind of like my other thing with open
0: world games is like when they give you almost too much freedom and no direction, because mm-hmm. that's like what Fallout did did to me, or at least for me, that's kind of how I felt playing Fallout Four. Um, that's how I felt playing, not really Mafia Three, but uh, I'm trying to think of another example that did that. I can't, Well, I don't know. Fallout Four is the one that come to mind. <laughs> it's, like, I really want to finish that. I I feel bad for not finishing open world games, but then I'm like, if the story doesn't even interest me, why go back? Yeah. Right. So I yeah. Uh, as far as like what I want to see for more from open world games in the future, it's just like that. The, I really like the dynamic events and all that. Uh, I actually just watched that gameplay for Monster Hunter World, and like the whole world reacts to everything. Like, that's kind of stuff really interests me. Um, Aside from that, yeah, just... As long as... I guess what I look for in open-world games now is that they have, like, a... Actually, as stupid as it sounds, like, a very cinematic narrative to go along with it. You know, I don't want just... Pretty much, like, people are saying, like, the last... Or Days Gone looks like The Last of Us, but open-world, I'm
2: completely okay with that. Yeah, Last of Us was excellent. Yeah. Even if it was mostly just a, a long series of quick time events with some combat in between, <laughs> mm. I wouldn't call them quick time events. I'll fight you on that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they weren't, but, but it definitely was more in the in the realm of. Um, uh, nah, it's uh, it's too far for me to say it was on rails. But
1: yeah, so something that um, bringing up narrative in open world games, something that I just remember it is that in Zelda Breath of the Wild the narrative is completely non-linear and it's very interesting because that sounds weird but at the same time it makes perfect sense for an open world game and and so what what it does non-linear is basically like they were saying in the original trailers, etc., there is the main boss, there's Ganon in the castle, and you can go there and fight him from the very start, and if you're good enough, you can defeat him. But then there's also like four main story areas that you can go to to get these characters to help you, and to do that, you have to go through their storyline. But all of those areas are optional, and the order in which you do them is optional. And then there are spots on the map where if you find this this location from a photo that you have in your memory... Then you'll trigger like a 30 second or a minute long cutscene. But all of that is still very non linear. It doesn't piece together 12 scenes one, two, three, four, five. It's all just very small fragments of the past experienced out of order depending on how the player finds them, if the player even finds them at all. And that was very interesting to me in mm-hmm. that even with something like Horizon, et cetera, which has a very good narrative, it's still cutscene one, two, three, and every player will experience those cutscenes. In that order. But with Zelda, it you can skip the cutscenes because you never even get to those story moments. And when you do, they are fuzzy fragments of the past. Just like kind of like an open world game is where you're you're not gonna have the same experience as everybody else. It's all gonna be different.
2: Yeah, with, with Horizon it definitely was very linear, but uh for me the most interesting stuff. Were the the little audio bites you find out? Yeah, I was in actually going to say like I usually um, don't even
0: bother picking that stuff up, but with Horizon I did. Like it actually added a whole bunch of the story.
2: mm Hmm. That yeah. That for me was almost it. It definitely. Um, it wasn't like in Doom where there were little data points hidden all around everywhere and you could read them if you want but that then it was just it was basically just flavor text it didn't it didn't add anything to the to the the story but in Horizon there was definitely stuff where I would find myself um uh, especially in the story areas, like when you go down into a bunker or into somewhere where it's more corridor-driven and you have a specific place to go, I would be going into all the other rooms to see what I could pick up and see what I could listen to. Um, because that stuff, it made the main story more interesting. Because mm-hmm. sometimes it would it would prompt a, a new question in my mind or answer some question before the main characters had figure something and They also out. made it so you could um, listen to
0: them on the fly too, like a lot of games make you stand yeah. just sit there and listen to it instead of just keep playing while you're listening to the audio.
1: I think yeah. I think what really what I really liked about the audit logs in Horizon was that 99% of the game you're talking to people that are currently alive and they have their own jargon. They have mother's cradle, etc. Mm-hmm. the old ones. I don't I don't think that's accurate, but I'm going to call them the old ones cuz it sounds funny all, all these different like generic terms that they had created for themselves but then when you pick up the audio logs it's like a whole separate set of characters and a whole separate setting that you get a little bit of a listen to a peek into so that i think horizon zero dawn took yeah. a lot
0: of uh, inspiration from the 100 and how they built their world mm-hmm. if you guys have you watched that show no so basically Mm-mm. the 100 um the kids are up in space they're sent down to the world I'm, I'm giving you a very brief description of what this show is uh after like a nuclear fallout they're they're up in space and then they come back down after it's like safe to inhabit the world again and they come back and, like people have like returned to like their primitive you know tribal state like kind of medieval mixed with future stuff i don't know it's, it was very reminiscent of it but just the way they built the world was very similar to how horizon does it is like you know everything that seems normal to us is
2: like all this godlike stuff to them. Mhm. Well, yeah, I I remember at some point probably halfway into the main story, I think it's when um uh when um the I can't remember the actor's name, but the character's name is Silence. He's the one who he like hacks yeah. into your your headset and starts talking to you. And at some point he he sends you he transmits you a data link to accompany some audio file which is just like the webster's definition of corporation (laughs) um and then it, it clicked for me that i'm like oh yeah she doesn't have any idea what that is and then listening to all sorts of stuff after the fact being like man like I, the player, am really understanding standing this, this totally foreign world. Like, if i putting myself in her shoes and listening to this, and almost everything is alien, everything they're talking about. Yeah, that's that's um, like the level of immersion and mystery keeps you going on the horizon, I guess. Mm-hmm.
0: But, all right, uh, Well, right. We're almost out of time here, so I guess a final discussion to, be to have is what open world games are you looking forward to? within the next year um so
1: does mario odyssey count i think i think that's kind of a question of
0: yeah it's like a darksiders you know overworld kind of game
1: yeah overworld where there's there's hubs the, the hub yeah um i guess that's kind of if there's so many open world games nowadays then how do you define open world versus hub versus something like uncharted 4 which has areas that are a lot more open than you're used to like the desert level where suddenly you can go in all sorts of different directions.
0: Yeah. I mean, I call like on, you know, a level like that uncharted like a, like a linear sandbox. And, yeah. Uh, and then darksiders too. Yeah, is like, like the open world, but it's also like darksiders harkens back to the game, you know, the original kind of open world games where you had like, I, I guess Spyro would be the best example where you had to complete certain objectives to unlock the next area
1: yeah like banjo kazooie kind of where there are gates and you have to figure out how to open the gate
0: and, I, and I actually you know i i actually like those kind of open world setups because like you know, you complete one area it doesn't feel overwhelming when you have yeah. like certain objectives complete in this small area and then you move on to the next area and complete these objectives and then you move on but like you throw it all at me at once i'm like mm, no thanks
2: yeah it has to be tasteful though because uh, i did find myself getting a little tired of um of Mad Max, where like the main objective for everything was, you've broken through this gate with this harpoon gun. Now we need to break through a stronger <laughs> gate with a different harpoon gun. I'm so close gun. to
0: finishing that game, but it's got me <laughs> looking for crap again. And I'm like, nah, I don't want to do it. I'm so yeah. close to finishing like half the open world games I have. But getting back on track, so Ian's looking forward to Mario Odyssey. Why? I think
1: I'm also looking forward to Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh Dis- yeah. Despite yeah. the terrible name, um, dose. I <laughs> redeem <received> something twice. <laughs> yeah. So I so I played Red Dead Redemption.
2: Red, Red Dead or Redemption. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So so I played Red Dead Redemption, one. Um, I think it was last year. I basically i i didn't didn't have a chance to play it when it came out. It kind of got lost. And then when it came out for Xbox One backwards compatibility, I was on it and I played it, and I enjoyed it. And I think there's some interesting things in there that are different from the Rockstar formula. There's a lot more vignettes on the side, a lot better side quests. It seemed to embrace story much better yes. than any other Rockstar game. You know, because Grand Theft Auto kind it's of always had... Pain. Yeah, that's true. Well, Rockstar did Max Pain 3, which wasn't yep. very good. Well, the story was good. The rest of it wasn't good. How dare you. Moving on, though. The <laughs> Maximumist pain. But, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that just because... What they did in Red Dead Redemption, building on that, having more vignettes, more varied, generated events, better side quests, things like that, I think that's going to be an open-world game worth playing, whereas almost anything else that I can think of, Far Cry 4, et cetera, just seems like it's going to be another tower-based crafting, same-same-as-everything-else game.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, Well. Oh. Yeah, Red Dead Redemption like didn't do really very many or really any of like the open world tropes that Grand Theft Auto does. It's a lot more like grounded in reality and realistic. And then the story just the, the pacing of the story in the original Red Dead Redemption was on point. It didn't have you go do all these stupid side quests or you know just a pretty aggressive mm-hmm. story like Mafia. But or, uh, Jake, what are you looking forward to?
2: um i imagine uh it will be on your list as well but i'm very looking forward to metro exodus that one's not really open world um didn't they say it was open world it's it's i know the other games aren't really it's not open
0: no it's not open world it's uh it's still it's still linear if like the i um, got the wrong information it's still linear but like with more explorable sections kind of like the I guess the best example would be like those uncharted forest sections where they're open and explorable. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh well, since I lost that one on a technicality. (laughs) Um uh shoot, then I'm not um I'm not super sure. I mean, yeah, I'm I uh didn't finish playing through the original Red Dead because I was playing it at a friend's house and then he moved. Um I guess to give you an idea, but, yeah, of yeah, I mean, out. there's Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption, yeah, yeah, 2, yeah, Red, Red Dead Origins. Two, definitely looks interesting. Days Gone. I was never big into Assassin's Creed, but... Spider Man, so I don't know, Spider Man. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I I've played enough open world games to to know how to talk about them, but I don't know if I'm really so. like really hyped for for. Uh, any of the titles that are coming out i'm probably i'm probably gonna play them and i'll probably enjoy them but there's none that at the moment i'm phenomenally excited for i think
1: there is far cry 4 but it's odd with that game oh yeah far cry 5 where
0: (laughs) technically six
1: yeah basically (laughs) it's it's funny because that game i'm not excited at all about anything to do with the world i just think that from almost from the beginning their gunplay has been fantastic And they've carried that throughout the series. So I'm more excited for that as a shooting game than I am as an open world game.
0: It seems like they're focusing a lot more on story for that one. But uh, as far as as what I'm excited for, definitely Red Dead Redemption. Or, yeah, Red Dead 2. I'll just call it that. Uh, uh, Definitely excited for that one. Uh, Hopefully Rockstar shows it off soon because they just delayed it. Um, Honestly, like, I'm actually really, really interested in Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, I really like the historical time periods that they go to. I didn't like Syndicate at all, which everybody seemed to love, and I don't understand why I really hated it. Like, I liked Unity more than Syndicate, and I get heat for that all the time. <laughs> um, but Assassin's Creed Origins, you know, they're following a lot of what The Witcher did. They're focusing a lot more on the story, a lot more on the side missions, and not making it so full of content and they actually i think they were talking on twitter that they were talking about how the world is actually bigger than black flag which is that means it's huge that means hmm. that world is massive um, unless they're not unless they're not accounting for like the oceans and black flag and just talking about like the land masses they all had in there but even then like that world was huge um but you know they're adding tombs into it now and you know obviously with the e- egyptian setting uh, the combat system looks slightly better. I don't know. The uh, E3 reveal, that little arrow you could control just made me laugh out loud. (laughs) I I really hope that's not the final product. (laughs) I hope like I'm really impressed that the games media and gamers in general have not created memes all about that. Like, yeah, look, look at this really realistic setting and then, Oh wait, you can control an arrow and drive it into somebody's head. Uh,
1: so there's, there's two more that I just thought of. One is um, Shadow of Mordor. I think that's oh, yeah. the right name. I'm super
0: excited for that. Oh, uh. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I <laughs> can't I don't remember know, them all now.
1: I feel like the first one had the incredible nemesis system, but a lot around it wasn't that great, and it was a very slow year, so it stood out. But I think this year the nemesis system alone isn't going to be enough to kind of
2: make that a standout title. Well, I did see just I mean I saw it today. I don't know if they announced it today or not, but that they're uh they're going to let you I guess port your nemesis yep. from the old game into the new game. So they they might be thinking about that and as I don't know, I don't want to say gimmick um but they'll be like, "Hey, you can you can play against your nemesis from the first game in I this so, new I game." I still
0: hold that the nemesis system is the most innovative thing of this generation so far. Yeah,
1: definitely. It's It was and fantastic.
0: I'm just waiting for other developers to incorporate in their open world games. Like, I, I swear to God, Assassin's Creed and the Nemesis system, like, that would be great. There's no, there's no way they could fuck that up. <laughs> With, like, all the Templars and how notorious they are and everything, like, the Nemesis system would work perfect for that.
1: Yeah, I think, it, it, so it kind of reminds me of the original Red Faction and how that game had these incredible destructive environments you know it was a it was a linear first person shooter um but you could tunnel through almost any wall with explosives in these missions and do crazy things and it was one of those things where it came out everybody was blown away by it it was amazing and then it just got lost and there was very few other games that tried to reproduce it and i think that's the sad thing with the Nemesis system is that it came out, everybody said, everybody's going to be using the Nemesis system in the next five years, and then nobody else has really even tried it. And that's a shame because it's a fantastic system that kind of deserves to be duplicated and tried out in other games.
0: Yeah, there was a interview the other day about, they were talking about how nobody had duplicated it yet, and I guess, you know, they just kind of mentioned like, yeah, it's a, it's a very te- technically challenging system that they've been working on for years, so... I guess i'm sure you'll see innovation on it sometime (laughs) yeah uh the other there are two other open world games that we haven't really mentioned yet and one of them may end up being a sleeper hit uh is agents of mayhem
2: oh i'm still not sure what exactly that game is yeah me either i've seen a trailer (laughs) for that
0: they they, uh showed off new gameplay d3 and it's I guess the it's not even superhero really Uh, I guess if you want to compare it to anything it'd be like a hero shooter but in an open world setting
1: yeah and so then the other thing I
0: heard that was weird
1: Giant Bomb who got a chance to play it they said that it was a four there's four characters in the game that you can switch between Mm -hmm. but that it doesn't have four player co-op Hmm. and from the rare games that I've played where it has co op missions, and instead of, and the single player solution to that is letting you switch between characters instead of having two different players controlling two different characters. That's god awful 99% of the time. Yeah. So that's going to be very interesting to see if they can actually pull that off.
0: I think Age Agents of Mayhem is going to go the way that Sunset Overdrive did. Unique fun sh- fun oh, I game god about sunset overdrive uh, i think a lot of people did <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah like agents agents of mayhem was like a big title for deep silver and they really haven't said a whole lot of it shown i mean i, I guess they keep releasing trailers for it. i guess a trailer just came out yesterday again like they released like 100 trailers for it but I, yeah i really don't know what it is and Oh, here, here you go. Here's a PC Gamer article. Agents of Mayhem First Impressions. A Disappointing Hero Shooter. That's, <laughs> a, that's a good sign. Yeah. Uh, a Disappointing Hero Shooter in a Generic Open World. And that's the first thing I thought about when they revealed that game. It looks generic. Yep.
2: Well, I I mean, just the minute I saw the trailer, and I think it was more from the purple than anything, but I went, is this a Saints Row sequel? And then I realized that it wasn't. Um, but uh, yeah, so I didn't I didn't immediately think of it as a a new intellectual property when I first encountered it. Yeah, maybe it'll maybe it'll be end up
0: being a sleeper hit. But uh, yeah, so I guess all right. Yeah. So Ian's looking forward to Red Dead.
2: Redemption. Is the only other game uh, anthem the of upcoming open world games.
0: Yes, I see. I, I I hesitated to bring that one up just because we know so very little about it, and like yeah. just based on that first trailer that showed off, like. I don't know how much of that world you you could actually explore. Like if he flew straight and set it down, I I would have been like even more impressed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the other one, speaking of sleeper hits, two sleeper hits. One is Crackdown Three. Um I don't know if you guys seen it, but there was a video released during the middle of E three that for some reason has not been shown anywhere else and hasn't really been highlighted, but it was them demonstrating their destruction physics in multiplayer and it looks insane. It looks exactly like how you would expect. You shoot buildings, it's thrown off glass, you're blowing off specific balconies, and then at some point the entire building collapses. And Then he turns around and he destroys the entire city. And I think that could be a sleeper hit where it's just, it's cracked down, it's back, and it has bigger destruction. It's gotten, and I think... a,
0: it's gotten a lot of bad press so far just because people don't research things and think that the uh, destruction is supposed to be in... We talked about this in the Microsoft D3 cast. Like, I do not understand why they showed off Crackdown Three then if they weren't going to show off the destruction. Like, they obviously did not think this this through. Um, personally, I don't. I don't know if I call Crackdown Three a sleeper hit just because it is a Microsoft exclusive. But I do think they are overestimating how many people really know about Crackdown and like the the probably I guess the popularity of the brand. So maybe you're right, maybe you're right, and now that I think about it, maybe it would be a sleeper hit.
1: Yeah, I'm just trying to think of...
0: If all, the press, all the press. all the it got was really bad.
1: Yeah, if you're, if you're an Xbox One owner, and you don't know anything else, I think you're going to be hungry right now, and having a Crackdown game is basically your Halo of this year, and you're going to be in line to buy it.
0: Yeah, well, that, that's kinda what uh, I, I guess I'll like. take back what I said about the pressing, it was all bad, like actually, they all actually said it was really fun to play, it just looks bad, but... Crackdown never was known for big graphics, so I could really give two shits. Yeah.
1: So then the other, the true sleeper hit of the year, and as far as I'm concerned, the only rival for Yakuza 0 as game of the year, is Yakuza Kiwami, which is the remake of the first game in the same oh, engine remakes? as Yakuza 0. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's more of a remaster. No, yeah. no that's even worse. <laughs> no, it's better.
0: You should have left, rem- left it as remake. I would have ex- accepted it's- that. It's going to be and Now you said remasters so and I'm triggered.
1: Yeah, so they just they did the Yakuza <laughs> 0 engine. They added stuff to it and it's been out in Japan for a while now and people over there have been going crazy about it. So Yakuza 0 was my first Yakuza game. It blew me away. It made me cry twice and no other video game has ever made me do that. And I'm just very excited to play the second one. Soft. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right well i think that is all we have time for today now that uh my computer is not speaking to me to any speaking to me anymore so just for that sarah you're getting another nintendo shit post uh anyways tune in next thursday for the next episode of our podcast and, and, and may or may not return to that cast we'll see oh,
2: who knows
0: <laughs> so have a good night everybody